Well, good morning. It's nice to see so many of you here today. It's been a while since I've been standing up here teaching. Yet, I want to start with um, how this this actually teaching came to be. As I've been teaching on prayers and on fasting and how the steps continue to proceed, this, uh, this was the next step in that way. I know a lot of us actually want to see healing with a lot of people. And yet, I think I'll, I'll approach this in a little while. But I think sometimes we fear too much that if we do it um, and God doesn't heal that person, we think that God's not actually listening to us, but He is. Because the ultimate healing, I want to say this up front, is whenever He comes back and the resurrection takes place, we'll all be transformed in that twinkling of an eye. So that is the ultimate healing. But as I was studying this, I started to think, you know, this is a lot like um, like what happens whenever I've done groups and classes for parents. A lot of parents struggle with their kids and they wait until the very end of what's going on and their kids are so out of control that now they're willing to make changes. So as I was studying this, and it was new to me because I don't remember having elders or my dad or my grandfather going to people and doing the laying on of hands as I was growing up. So as I was looking through these scriptures and I was studying what it was like to do the healing, the miracles that Jesus performed and what was given instruction to us, the followers of Christ today, it was all new to me. And it was like an instruction manual was being opened. And I didn't want to stop. I wanted to keep on studying and I wanted to share it with you. So this is something that's been on my heart and something that I've been struggling with for the past months, if not years, because of the fact that we have had people pass away in this congregation that we hold dear. And God didn't do that miraculous healing. And I think this can be a touchy subject, but we have to look at his instructions and what he says here. How many of you guys want to see how the Lord can actually heal somebody? I do. How many of you want to see God moving? I do. You guys are all sitting there. Just kind of. How many of you, can I get an amen? How many of you want to see God at work in your lives? How many of you, rather than asking for an orange tree, ask for an orange? I'm guilty of this, right? I wanted a new job. All I said was, God, give me a new job. I started and I shared with you. I've taught you. We'll go over this in a little bit. I just started praying. I wasn't doing anything else. But then I started opening up the Word and what did He teach me? So we're going to review really quick. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 6, 16. He teaches us there... In that one simple verse in 16, I'm going to read 16 through 18, but in 16 he says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as do the hypocrites. So it says, whenever you fast, right? I've taught on this. He's expecting us to fast. It's not very hard to see that. It says, For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men, for they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, whenever you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. 
and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's one thing I'm going to challenge out of this, and I think it's because of our cultural standpoint. There's so many Christians, including myself up to a certain point, I wasn't sharing what I was asking the Lord for because I thought it was just me and Him. In this congregation, I think we need to be sharing what we're asking the Lord for. If not everybody, at least four to five families. You guys should be sharing your burdens with each other. We shouldn't be bearing them. It's not you and God. It's us. It's this family. Whenever we're petitioning the Lord and we're praying and we're fasting, it's not just your family. It should be at least four or five other families with us. And that's why I know when I was asking for an orange the Lord started to open my eyes and I gave it to you guys and I said, I'm asking him to give me a different job. different right? He gave me a different job. It was far. I said, I can't handle this drive. Maybe we should ask. And as I was petitioning him, he said, why not a whole tree? It wasn't just an orange. Now I have to learn how to be a farmer. I have to learn how to take care of that tree. That's what he does whenever... You start to petition Him in His ways because He opened my eyes to that passage that says, whenever you fast, not just at dinner, at supper, when I'm praying, when I'm going to bed, I'm praying, when I wake up, I'm praying, but I'm fasting. It's an action as well. I've taught you guys. There's a teaching on that that I've done. So in Matthew, we even see Esther, right, with the people. She tells the people, Does she say, you know what, you're right, Mordecai, I will pray, and then I'll do this. No, she tells Mordecai and the people, go and fast, don't eat, and pray. It's a group, it's a unity. I want you to think of that today as I'm going through this lesson. It's a group, it's a whole group. Now, I'm not saying all of us go out, right, we're not supposed to go out to lunch and have these gloomy clothes on we're supposed to continue to look normal but we are to share with one another so think of that as a whole as a unity with one another today the one passage that i wasn't able to get to um because i made a mistake on the bulletin but if you'll turn over there mark 6 7 through 13 we're going to see how the messiah himself actually um had the disciples to actually perform healings. And in this passage, turn there as well, because I was hoping to just refer to it, but then let me read it. So Mark 6, 7 through 13 says, And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirit. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey, except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt. But to wear sandals, and he added, Do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. And place that any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. They went out and preached that men should repent. And they are casting out many demons and were anointing with oil and many sick people were being healed. I know, sitting in those seats, sitting in the seat I sit in, I sometimes say the disciples are way up here. 
I'm way down here. I wasn't sent out by Messiah. We're going to continue to look at this instruction manual and see what God tells us and how we can perform and we can work. It, is it actually me that's going to perform a miracle? No. He's using me. And the Holy Spirit performs miracles, right? When I ask for an orange and He gives me an orange tree, was it me? Was it Darissa? Was it Steve that was praying for me? No, it was God working, but it was my obedience and my prayer and my fasting. And I think He was up there going, Trevor, stop bugging me. Here, take it. But He can still work miracles. But it's not us, it's through us that it happens. We see here that the disciples are doing it. Now, turn over to Mark 16, just a few chapters later. 14 through 19. He's sitting there with the disciples again. Remember how I said we sometimes put distance between us and disciples? How many of us have doubts? Here, even Messiah says, He appeared to the eleven themselves, and they were reclining at the table, and He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen Him after He had risen. And He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak with the new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poisons, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, This sermon is not about drinking poison or serpents. This is about the sick and being healed. And what are the instructions and the guidelines for us to actually perform what God has given us in His instruction manual? That's what I'm teaching here today. And I haven't heard anything from the Lord about talking about bringing serpents in and seeing if we'll stay safe. So don't worry. I don't like snakes anyways. So, but you can see here, they were told that they would perform these miracles and there are instructions within His Word. But first, the first thing we need to look at is that who calls for the healing themselves. Let's take a look at um, 2 Samuel chapter 12. I believe that a lot of people don't use God's instruction manual for healing. Again, because they worry that God's not going to answer that prayer. That's going to put a doubt in their mind. But not following it actually is an action of doubt as well. You see, David, David, what did he do? We see in this in this passage here, that David was praying and he was fasting. So let's look at 2 Samuel twelve thirteen through 16. Indeed, you did it secretly. Sorry, I'll pick up in 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, 
Yes, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David, so that he was very sick. Did David stop? I mean, he'd already been warned this child was going to die. No, David therefore inquired of God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of the household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. David put, and he knows, he's a man after God's own heart is what it says in 1 Samuel. He put his faith into action, petitioning the Lord not to do this to this child. Yet, God didn't listen. He took that child. And David, later on in the verses, tells that he will see that child again. That hope, that resurrection. But he still continued to pray and to fast. So, I encourage us today to continue to follow in God's word, put our faith into action, and know that He can and He does hear us. He just may not cause the healing to take effect. But I want to point to you, we'll look over to Luke now, chapter 8, where He does, when Messiah was walking with us and He was walking on this earth, He did, we know for a fact, He did raise people from the dead. He did heal the sick. The first thing, though, is the person or the family that actually wants that healing has to ask for it. If you have a child that's sick, there's nothing more grieving to a parent's heart than to see them suffer. But that parent has to call, has to ask for it, right? It takes that act. And it's hard to do whenever you have to lean on other people. It's something that has to be done. So in Luke 8, 40, says, And as Jesus returned, the people welcomed Him, for they had all been waiting for Him. They had seen the miracles. They were looking for Him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. So he's kind of one of the top officials of the synagogue here. And something you don't ever see an official do hardly. He fell at Jesus' feet and began to implore him to come to his house. This man was humbled. His child. For he had an only daughter. About 12 years old and she was dying. Wow. When I read this my heart just crumbled. Why? Because I have two daughters. And I thought I would go to the ends of the earth. For them. This is what Jairus is doing at this point. He knows that Jesus is healed before, and he's going to this person that could heal his daughter, and he's humbling himself. So, and it goes on. We're going to see the woman of faith. She's older, she can make her own decisions. This 12 year old girl couldn't, so the one that was responsible for her had to go to the Messiah, had to ask for the help. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone 
came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that the power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the... Okay, so let's talk about this lady for a minute. When we have doubts, He wants us to give it to Him. We have to know that He will actually answer our prayers, whether it's here on earth or in the following to come. As I said, referring back to Him giving me the orange tree and blessing me in that way, my prayers at some point from studying the Scriptures and asking Him just for the orange started to become... Lord, when you bring me closer to home with a job, it wasn't if you do. It started to change. And it was, it was so eye-opening and such a blessing to know I'm making this drive, you're, you're actually caring for my family, but you, when you bring me back home, and I even had other people in the congregation that was saying, He did take you there, but now your next step, right, is to get back closer. I remember somebody telling me that, saying it, to be, be closer to home, right? And that all started to transform because I was taking his words and saying, Lord, you said, if I petition you and I continue, you will answer my prayers. And I started to believe it. And so because I believed it, I, my words and my prayers started to change. Lord, bring me closer to home. And then, as that started to change, my future and everything else started to align with Him. It was amazing. I had a friend give me a book that actually started to open some eyes in certain ways. I recommend George Mueller's autobiography. He is an amazing man. But again, I needed that tweaking before he answered that prayer. So, we see here the woman, her faith. She knew he could heal her. Jairus knows he can heal his daughter. Moving on to verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid. I think he's talking to Jairus here. Don't be afraid any longer. Only believe and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except his closest disciples, Peter, John, and James, and the girl's father and mother. Only five people in the house when he's about to perform this miracle. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping, for she has not died but is asleep. 
I'm starting to see Lazarus' story in here too, right? And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. I see some chuckles as it's like, have you ever known somebody that's in such mourning that something happens and it's like a mourning chuckle? It's not even, it's a laughter, but it's like it's hurting to some point. And that's what I kind of see going on perhaps with the, uh, her daughter or with the father and mother. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, Child, arise! What amazing words. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given her to eat. Her father had to take the step. He had to have the faith for Jesus to come to the house. He had to reach out. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. This is a, I saw that verse and I started to think about it, right? It's just sat there for a few minutes going, it was his disciples and mom and dad, but everybody outside of that room had already said she was dead. I don't have to say anything. When she walks out, everybody's going to see the healing touch and the power of God glorified in that situation. So the parents didn't have to say a word, but their faith, his faith, helped to make his daughter well. He went and asked for those instructions. Turn over to James 5, the basis of this sermon today. As I said before, when I'm teaching a group of parents some parenting skills, and it's been so bad, they're willing to listen, they're willing to put it into instruction. I don't want to wait where we're hurting so bad to put these instructions into practice. I want us to all know that they're here and how they're supposed to be performed. Because at some point, you may say, you know what, I do want to follow what the scriptures say, and we're going to follow this, And yes, I do believe He can cause this healing, but I have to follow in His manual, not your own. James 5, I'm going to pick up in 7. It says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Interesting. It starts off saying that the healing, I think, in this exhortation, saying that it may take that long until Jesus returns, the coming of the Lord. However, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains. Let me tell you right now, a little side note, the farmers in California are praying for the rains because they're not getting the water that they need from Sacramento. They need God's hand, and they're praying for it now as I know in Bakersfield, growing up on the farmlands. They're praying and they're hoping that it rains more this year than any other year. The crops are already planted, the fields are toiled, and they're waiting. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Our patience shows our endurance. He tests us in that way. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. 
As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but you, your, let your yes is yes and your no be no, so that, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Here's, here comes the instructions. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in the faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. You see, those are specific instructions that I wasn't raised in church with. But they are in the guidebook of the Heavenly Father. They were placed there for a reason. And again, do I think the elders are the ones that are performing the miracle? I don't. I think it's taking those steps that God has put forth for us and allowed us to learn and will allow us to learn from. goes on to say, Therefore confess your sins to one another. And this is another reason why it's got to be a community doing this. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. It isn't me and God. There's too many Christians out there today that They bear their own burden, won't share with one another, and they just won't open up. And perhaps they haven't read the instruction manual, and they aren't taking the steps in a way that has been laid out here. We've got to share with one another. That's why I say I encourage you to share with at least five families. If I'm going through something, I'm going to bring in a closer-knit part of the Disciple Center. And I may say, Darissa, will you please fast for me? I've never done that before. But whenever somebody says, Trevor, will you pray for me? I want you to know now, and in some way, I'm fasting. I may say, Lord, I won't eat until 9 or 10 o'clock, or I won't drink till 9 or 10 o'clock every day. I may say, I won't eat until 12 or 1. But that's somewhat of a fast. I may take chocolate out of my diet. A lot of people, it's Lent right now for the Western church, so they take certain things out of their diet. That's fasting. You're doing away with something for, your, for yourself, for the betterness of somebody else. So I encourage you, before you call the, on the elders, start to do that. Start to fast. Start to read the scriptures and ask other people to do the same for you. Maybe it's, like I said, it's just a tweak in your own mind. And maybe it's, it's something about you that needs to change rather than the other piece. But the effective prayer of righteousness, the effective prayer of a righteous man can be accomplished much. And then it spells out and it shows us a righteous man. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly 
that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. He said, they're not doing your will, God. Why are you blessing them with rain? Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I know for a fact that we have prayed as a congregation for healing. I know for a fact that we wanted nothing more than our sweet Braden to be healed. But he didn't answer it. And we know, and our hope is in the resurrection of Messiah. I get that. I just want to tell you guys, though, if you ever get to this point and you need a laying on of hands, this congregation, we're moving forward and we're going to do it according to the instructions that he has set forth. And if I'm not one of them, I'm okay with that. As long as I can know that you guys are going to do a laying on of hands and a praying and a fasting, I will join with you. And whenever they do that laying on of hands, I will be here in front of this ark praying in that way. I don't need to be there. I believe it's the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit that performs those miracles. And I know that's something that you all believe. It can't be just you and God anymore. It's got to be the community of faith. That's what's given in our instructions. And that's what I believe and that's what I know. I'm ready to see the Holy Spirit do some things in this congregation if we will just follow His instructions. Because if we're not following His instructions, we're not going by His words. It's time in that case to take that step of faith. And again, if you're not invited to the laying on of hands, perhaps you'll meet down here. And whenever that laying on of hands is going on, don't take it personal, but just show up and pray. I will make sure that there are people here praying and that there are people fasting. It's time to take those steps and to know that the Spirit will work in that way if we take those steps of faith. It's an action. It's not just words. It's not just prayer at a dinner table. It's not just prayers at night. It's an action. And I know, as a congregation, that's where we'll go. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.